What happens to those people who have never heard the gospel? What happens to that person, say, in the deep, dark jungles of Africa or in Asia who's never had the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? Will they go to heaven or will they go to hell? And really, the question behind the question is this. Is Jesus Christ really the only way to God? Or do multiple paths lead to heaven? You need to be aware of a movement afoot in evangelical circles called the emergent church movement. Those within the emergent church are basically teaching heresy, things that stand in contradiction to the very word of God. Now, these people may be popular, they may sell a lot of books, they may have a great following, but in actuality, they are false teachers. And one of those men is a man named Brian McLaren. Brian McLaren is the leader of this emergent church movement, and he's written a book called A New Kind of Christianity. And I want you to think about some of the dangerous things that these teachers are saying. Here's what he said. He said, wouldn't it be fascinating if thousands of Muslims began to take their places at the feast, discovering the secret message of Jesus in a way that many Christians have not? Could it be that Jesus could in some way be rediscovered to save Islam from its dangerous dark side? Similarly, wouldn't there be a certain ironic justice if Jesus' own kinsmen, the Jewish people, led the way in understanding and practicing the core teachings of one of their own prophets who has too often been hijacked by other interests and ideologies? Or if Buddhists, Hindus, and even former atheists and agnostics came from the east and west and north and south and began to enjoy the feast of the kingdom in ways that those bearing the name Christian have not. What he's saying is, is that there is a possibility that you can be a Buddhist, you can be a Hindu, you can be a Jew, you can be an atheist, you can totally not believe in Jesus Christ and still have a place in heaven. What many in the emergent church movement are saying is that they're interested in Jesus, but not converting anyone to Christianity. People of other faiths can retain their identities and their beliefs as long as they just admire Jesus. You can become a Hindu and still practice Hinduism, but like and admire Jesus, and that will get you to heaven even though you're still a Hindu. This is what Gandhi said. I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Everyone, it seems, loves the idea of Jesus. But unfortunately, many don't even know the Jesus of the Bible. Who they like is the non-offensive, all-inclusive, let's-just-get-along, wimpy Jesus who people have made up in their own mind. Not the risen, sovereign, exalted Christ, who's King of kings and Lord of lords, who died on a bloody cross to save sinners from the wrath of God. Another leader in this emergent church movement called Spencer Burke. He's written a book called A Heretic's Guide to Eternity. This is what he says. 
He says, we're already in God's kingdom unless we choose to be out. That is how grace works. We don't opt in. We can only opt out. In other words, everyone is already in God's kingdom. Everyone's already a Christian. You don't need to personally put your faith in Jesus Christ because that's already a reality. That's what grace already is. These are dangerous, dangerous. And there are six predominant views among Christians who seek to answer this question. What is the fate of those who have never heard the gospel? The first view is called universalism. This is probably the most liberal and extreme view. It states basically that everyone will go to heaven. Everyone, everywhere, regardless of what they've done with Christ, will be saved. Everyone goes to heaven. That's the most extreme view. The second view that some people hold is what's called pluralism. It basically says this, everyone can adhere to their own particular religion because each religion supplies some paths to ultimate reality. And you will be saved depending on how sincere you are in your particular religion. For example, if you're a sincere Buddhist and you're sincere in your Buddhist beliefs, then you'll go to heaven for being as good as you can with your religion. If you're a sincere Muslim, the same thing. You will go to heaven. If you're just sincere and following whatever belief system you happen to believe, as long as you're sincere, you will go to heaven. The problem is, how do you define sincere? And how do these other religions line up with what the Bible teaches about salvation? So you've got universalism, you've got pluralism, and number three, you've got inclusivism. Inclusivism basically says that everybody sees God in creation and they have a conscience and based upon their conscience and based upon what they know about God by looking up at the stars they are saved they don't have to repent and believe in Jesus they may be saved without even knowing Jesus as a savior for example if the person in Africa looks up at the sun and believes in a sun god but not in Jesus but just believes there's some type of creator out there that created the sun he will go to heaven based upon the very little knowledge that he knows about God through creation. It's not through Christ, a relationship with Christ. It's based upon what he sees in creation. What's the fourth view? The fourth view is what's called after-death evangelism. This is the idea that those who've never heard the gospel receive an opportunity to believe in Jesus after they die. Very similar to the Roman Catholic view of purgatory. There's this after opportunity. Once you die before the judgment, you can somehow be told the gospel and there's a chance for you to, to, to receive Christ after you have died. There's a fifth view that some people hold to. It's called universal opportunity right before death. This view says that all people are given opportunity to be saved by God sending the gospel. It could either be through an angel or through a dream right at the moment of death. So right before a person dies, God gives them this brief opportunity to trust in Jesus, although they may have lived their entire life not knowing anything about him. It could come through an angel or appearing in a dream. And this doesn't mean that they will indeed believe in Jesus. 
It just means that God gives everyone that opportunity right before they die. I would submit to you that all five of these views are not biblical. All five of these views are erroneous. They are wrong. They are false. There's only one view that's left. It's called exclusivism. And this is what exclusivism states. God does not provide salvation to those who fail to hear of Jesus and come to faith in him before they die. All those who die without a conscious, personal relationship with Jesus Christ alone will go to hell. Unfortunately, many evangelical Christians struggle with this teaching because they feel like it's just too strict, that God is somehow not fair in giving everyone an opportunity. So before we begin to espouse all of these opinions, let's look at the Bible. What does the Bible itself say about those who've never heard? What does it say about sin? What does it say about salvation? Let's look at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 26. Paul writes, For the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Let's look at some observations from this passage of scripture. First of all, God has made himself plainly known to all humans through the witness of creation. Verse 19, for what can be known about God is plain to them. People can look up and know that there is some type of God, some type of creator, because they see the universe out there that's bigger than themselves. They may not know it's the Christian God, but they know that somehow the sun got there from a higher power, they would say. So God has made himself perfectly known. But instead of worshiping this God, what have all people done? Sinners suppress the truth. To suppress means they hold it down. They shove it down. They, they don't want to acknowledge that it is God who has created this. So what they do is they suppress the truth about God being the creator. And thirdly, they become idolaters. So what do they do? They exchange, and that's a key word here in this passage, they exchange the glory of God for created things. So what happens is instead of worshiping God, they worship the Son 
or they worship a reptile or an animal or they worship another person. All people everywhere inherently know they're supposed to worship something. But instead of worshiping the one true God, the creator God, they suppress that truth and instead they become idolaters and exchange the truth of God for a lie. And here's what happens. Fourthly, all humans are without excuse. That's what God says in verse 20. They are without excuse. So therefore, natural revelation, i.e. creation, what you see in creation, what's written on your conscience are not enough to save a sinner from hell. As a matter of fact, these are given just enough knowledge of God to damn them to hell. They are without excuse. Later on in Romans chapter 3, verse 19, Paul says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. So here's the issue. What happens to the innocent man in Africa who has never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? Will he go to heaven? That's often how the question is phrased. What happens to the innocent man in Africa? The problem is there is no such person as the innocent man in Africa. If we were all innocent, we would not need a savior. We would all be already on our way to heaven. And so if he gets to heaven by worshiping the sun or doing the best with what he has, then the worst thing that we can do is go to that man and tell him about Jesus. Because once he hears about Jesus and then he rejects Jesus, he will go to hell for rejecting Jesus. Let me say this very clearly because a lot of Christians get this confused. People do not go to hell because they reject Jesus. People go to hell because they are guilty sinners before God and they are dead in their sins and deserve hell. Now, yes, if you reject Christ, you will go to hell, but that ultimately is not what sends you to hell. What sends a person to hell is sin and guilt. Even if they've never heard of Jesus Christ before, they still have sin and guilt. And if they've never trusted in Christ, they've never trusted in what he's done on the cross, if they've never trusted in his resurrection, if they die without hearing that, if they die without trusting in him personally, they will go to hell. This is a hard teaching, but this is what the Bible clearly states. Now, what did Jesus say about this? Jesus sheds light on this in John chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Jesus says this, and you're probably very familiar. This is right after John 3, 16. We all know, but what happens right after John 3, 16? Let's look at verses 17 through 19. Jesus says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. Light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? 
Jesus didn't have to come into the world to condemn the world because the world already stands condemned. We are already guilty. We are already rebellious against God. So Jesus came to provide salvation so that we could not be guilty. And if you do not believe in Jesus, you stand guilty already. It is your state as a sinner without Christ. Whether you're in northeastern Colorado, whether you're in the tribes of Amazon, whether you're in the villages of India, or whether you're in the bush of Africa, it doesn't matter. All humans stand guilty before their creator and are without excuse, and they must personally believe in Jesus Christ in order to escape that wrath. Again, many Christians do not like to hear this. They have to believe. They have to believe. Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. Now, what's the promise from the scripture? All who call upon the name of Jesus will be saved. So what does a person have to do? They have to call upon Jesus. When they call upon Jesus, they will be saved. How can they call upon Jesus if they've never heard about Jesus? They have to hear about Jesus. How will they hear unless someone preaches it to them? How will someone preach unless someone is sent? And so here's what happens. If someone is not sent to go preach the gospel so that people can hear, so that they in turn can call upon Jesus, there will be no salvation. There will be no salvation. The promise is there's salvation if you call, but what about those that have never heard? For those that have never heard, how in the world do they know to call upon Jesus because no one's told them that? They won't be saved. By simply trusting in the sun or believing in their conscience or doing the best they can with Buddhism, that's why it's so crucial that we send missionaries. We have unreached people groups living in darkness all throughout our world and they are dying and going to hell unless someone goes and tells them about Christ. I want you to again listen to the words of Jesus in John 14, 1 through 6. Let not your hearts be troubled, Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Very clearly listen to this. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How more explicit can Jesus be? No one gets to the Father except through Him. He is the only way, the only truth, the only life. We live in a culture that does not want to hear that. We live in a culture where all paths lead to God. Just be sincere in what you believe and all things, all roads will lead up the mountain to God or to heaven. But Jesus comes along and says, no, you can't just be a sincere Buddhist. 
and try your best. You can't just be a sincere Hindu and worship all these millions of gods. You, you, you can't be entrenched in Islam and worship Allah. You've got to come to the point where you believe that I am the only way of salvation through my death, burial, and resurrection. And when you trust in me, Jesus is saying, then you will be free from the wrath of God. Some people today are saying that Jesus is not the only way, but he's the best way. We see this in the book, The Shack. I hope by now the book, The Shack, is off the shelves in bookstores. It's a heretical book that presents a terrible view of God. And Jesus in that book on page 110 says, I am the best way that people can relate to Papa. Would Jesus ever say he's the best way? Scripture says he is the only way. What about the apostles? What did they preach when they saw the resurrected Christ ascend back up into heaven and Christ commissioned them to go preach the gospel, what did the apostles preach? We hear Peter saying this in Acts four eleven through 12. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. How more clear can you get there? There's no other name that saves you. There's salvation in no other name except the name of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. What about this idea of having a second chance after death to believe? The Bible is very clear that death is final. Death is final. As a matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 9, 27 through 28 says this, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. The writer here says, you die once, and after that, you face the judgment. There is no reincarnation. There is no second chance after death. Once you die, it is final. You will face your creator on that day. There will be judgment. And if you do not have a relationship with Christ where you have trusted him for salvation, you've repented of your sins, his righteousness has been credited to you and your sins have been credited to him and you stand there guilty, you will face eternal torment in hell. Again, not popular. Some people would say, Pastor Sean, you're not very loving in telling people that. What's the most loving thing I can do? to warn you, listeners, of the dangers of hell for not believing in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. What does 1 John 5, 11 through 12 say? 1 John 5, 11 through 12. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Again, it's very clear. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have eternal life. If you have Jesus, you have eternal life. How can you have Jesus if you've never heard of Jesus? How can you have Jesus if you're a Hindu living in all of this idolatry and you've never trusted Christ alone for salvation? You have to believe in Jesus in order to have eternal life. We must believe. So what is saving faith? 
What does it mean to believe in Jesus? The Bible speaks of placing faith in Christ. There are three aspects of faith that we see biblically, historically, the way the Christian, evangelical Christian churches define faith. We see three aspects. First of all, faith requires knowledge. This is where the mind understands the facts of the gospel, where you understand your need of salvation. You understand that you have personal sin. You understand that Christ is the only one who can save you. This really involves your minds. But it's not enough. Many people have head knowledge of the gospel. They believe the facts of the gospel. They believe in the reality of Jesus being a good teacher and even maybe dying on the cross and rising again, but they are not saved. So the first step in faith is knowledge. You've got to have the knowledge of Christ, who he is, what he's done, your personal sin, salvation, the cross, the resurrection, but then that's not enough. There's another step in faith. There's got to be an assent or an approval of those facts. Not just your mind grasping the facts, but your heart has got to settle with confidence and affirm that Christ can save you personally. You need to agree with this gospel. You need to see Christ in all of his glory. You need to believe that that can be personally effective for you. This involves believing with your hearts, not just your mind, with your hearts. Where you've come to the point where you believe that Christ has saved you. That these events that Christ did in his death, burial, and resurrection are beneficial for you. But then there's one more. The final step in faith is trust. Trust. This is the personal commitment of our lives to Christ whereby we repent of our sins and we trust fully in Him. This involves believing with our wills. Once we've actually turned from sin and placed our faith personally in Christ, then we're saved. We have to have knowledge. We have to have approval and assent of that knowledge. And then we have to actually personally trust Christ alone for salvation. Trust Christ alone for salvation salvation and if there's that person in the deep dark jungles of africa or in the amazon basin or in central asia or in muslim countries or in hinduism or in communist north korea or in the sudan or in iran or maybe even down your street and they've never heard the gospel and they've never responded to Christ for salvation, the Bible's very clear. They will spend an eternity in hell. That's why it's so urgent that we be about sharing the gospel with all people. Not only here in northeastern Colorado, but all around the world. There are over 6,000 people groups right now in our world that are less than 2% evangelical Christian. Which means that there's hardly any missionaries, there's hardly any churches, there's hardly any gospel, there's no Christian bookstores, they may not even have a Bible in their language. 6,000 people groups. It's about 1.8 billion people in our world have very limited access to the gospel. But even within that, within that 6,000, there are 3,000 that we would classify as unengaged, unreached people groups. These are people groups where there is not one Christian 
Not one identifiable Christian, not one church, not one missionary, not one Bible. There is not one single Christian among them. And if they die today and they've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ on the authority of God's word, they will spend eternity in hell. No matter how sincere they were in their Buddhism, no how sincere they were in their Islam, no matter how sincere they were in whatever religion they adopt, or even if they look up at the sky and they realize there's somewhat of a creator out there. Remember, Jesus says there's no other name under heaven by which people can be saved except for his name because he's the way, the truth, and the life. I know this is a hard teaching. I know this is hard to grasp. But in a culture that wants to waffle on this, in a culture that's confused about this, in a church culture that doesn't want to address this, I feel it's very important that we at Emmanuel Baptist Church take a stand upon this. And we may offend many of our hearers in northeastern Colorado, and that's okay because we want to stand on the authority of God's word. We won't want to be rude about it. We don't want to be angry about it. We want to be loving about it. But we have to stand before God on the day of judgment and take an account for how we have accurately handled the word of truth. And so if you've never trusted Christ Jesus alone for your salvation, what better day than today? If you're driving down the street or if you're in your car or you're, you're in your house or you're at work, stop right now. Trust Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Repent of your sins. Believe in him. Call upon the name of the Lord. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. 